You're listening to a rebroadcast of a live walk talk from Instagram. Awesome. Pennsylvania. Y'all are everywhere. Well, good deal. Um, Let's go ahead and get started. Um, Since it's freezing here and it's super windy, but I had a walk talk I really wanted to get in today. So, spit out my gum so I could talk better. When I first started doing these walk talks, I actually did the whole walk talk with gum in my mouth. (laughs) So as I went back and I... As I went back and I studied how I do these walk talks, I noticed you need to get rid of your gum when you when you start your message or before you even start. Sometimes I forget. I'm a gum chewer, so I always have a piece of gum. All right, so let's go ahead and get started. It's cold, it's, it's windy, but you know what? So what, we're fine, we're, we're layered, we're good. The only thing that's really cold is my hands, but I got gloves on, so it's not unbearable. And uh, my face is cold, but that's fine. Um, today's walk talk is called the importance of your righteousness. Now, before I get into that real quickly, I want to introduce myself just in case you're new to my ministry and I'll keep this short and sweet today because I got quite a bit to cover in today's walk talk. Um, my name is Matt McMillan. I'm a Christian author. I've written seven books. All my books are available on Amazon in paperback and Kindle. Maybe hardcover soon. Amazon now has a beta that's out for hardcover uh, books before they didn't give you that option. Maybe. We'll see. I don't know what all is involved with that, but you can definitely get them in paperback and Kindle right now. What else? Um, I'm not a pastor. I always say that in my introduction. I'm a regular person just like you. And I say that in my introduction because our modern church, Christianity, everybody who is alive today is so pastor centric and we've taken our focus off of Jesus and we put it on one person. We got to repent from that. I'm not disrespecting pastors. I love pastors, but I want you to be confident in who you are rather than in a man. Then once you are confident in who you are, because you understand who you are in Christ and you understand who Jesus is, then you can have a relationship with a person in a mature way who is a pastor, whether or not they find their identity in that position, it doesn't have any effect on you. So you can love them. You can respect them. You can let them have their own opinion because you know the truth. The word pastor is only used one time in the New Testament in the book of Ephesians. It is a supernatural gift. That's it. That's it. Not any place in the Bible do we see a person named pastor leading a group of Christians or up on stage or directing the group. The word pastor simply means overseer. That's it. So our modern church has turned this position into what it is. We've done this. We don't see this in the early church. We don't see this in any part of the epistles. We don't see this in the Bible at all. So let's get away from that stuff. I'm not saying stop going to church. I'm not telling you that. You're free. You can go to church. (laughs) And that's a whole nother topic. But I say that because I want to try to ease your mind when it comes to your view of who you are as a child of God. You lack nothing. Everything you know right now is fine. Why? Because you know the truth. Who's the truth? Jesus. The truth lives in you. The light is in you. That's Jesus. So, You have everything you need. You're getting new downloads into your brain. Your mind is being renewed, but you don't need any man to teach you who you are. If somebody is teaching, they are 
edifying you if they're doing it in the proper way. That simply means telling you who you already are, reminding you of what that spirit in you is already telling you. All right. So uh, if you want to contact me, don't DM me because I don't answer my DMs. Shoot me an email. The only way I'll answer my DM is if it's somebody I know personally. I have a personal life. I have to have boundaries. So very rarely will I check a DM. So if you send me a really long DM, probably not going to respond to it. That's no disrespect to you, but I cannot keep up with them email me. I even put a little button in my profile now on Instagram that says email. Hit that email button. Shoot me an email. I sit down once or twice a day or every other day and I check my ministry emails. I'll interact with you if you're nice. If you're not nice, I'll block your email and I won't even respond so you won't even know. All right. Now, today's walk talk is the importance of understanding your righteousness. Why is it so important to understand that you are righteous? Because when you know who you are, you will live that way. When you don't know you're righteous, you're going to struggle with living righteously. So let's talk about this because a lot of Christians, they know what the cross has done. It's forgiven them, completely forgiven them, all their sins, past, present, and future. But they stop there. They don't look at the resurrection. The the resurrection is the other half of the gospel, the other 50%. We have to look at the resurrection. So the cross forgave you. The resurrection caused you to become righteous. Okay? Two different things. The cross, how did the cross forgive you? It killed your sinful spirit. That's the only way you could be forgiven. You were in Christ when he died on the cross. We see this in Romans chapter 6. We see this in 2 Corinthians 5, uh, Galatians 2, Colossians 2. You have died with Christ. You died supernaturally on the cross. You're dead. This is why you don't need to say, I'm a nobody, or there's something wrong with myself, or it's not just myself. We have to get away from that stuff because you were not a nobody. That's what you used to not be because you were still in sin. You had an old sinful self. But now the resurrection, the resurrection has caused you to inherit the supernatural genetic DNA of Jesus Christ. He became sin so you could become righteous. It was a divine trade-off. So we got to get rid of the false humility. We got to go back to, okay, I'm not not a nobody. I'm somebody. I don't have to say there's something wrong with myself or I have a good self and a bad self. I only have a good self. Romans chapter six says our old self died. So now you're righteous. So when we say there's something wrong with ourself or when we say I'm just a nobody, you know that song. When we say that, we're saying the resurrection didn't work because the resurrection caused you to become righteous. That is what you are. You're righteous. I'm going to get to all the thoughts you're having, hopefully, because I had the same thoughts and I couldn't come to this point of where I'm at in my relationship with God, unless I went through that same stuff and faced the same situations, had the same questions. So let's just get down to the brass tacks of this. The cross forgave you. Okay. Second Corinthians 519 says he no longer holds your sins against you. That's the cross. But then second Corinthians 521, he became sin so that you could become righteous. So it was a trade-off. You are righteous now. What does righteous mean? Righteous simply means in right standing. 
It means there's nothing wrong with you, who you are. I'm not talking about what you do. I'm saying you, Christian, because you have believed in Jesus by grace, one time in your life, you have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. That's the old I. The life I now live, Galatians 2.20, that's the new I. I live by faith in Jesus. And some translations say, by the faith of Jesus. So when we look at scripture, some people will say, no one is righteous, not one. That's Romans chapter 3, verse 10. That's true. But that is describing unbelievers. <laughs> unbelievers, not believers. So when we read the Bible, we have to stop applying Bible verses directed at the identity of an unbeliever to a believer. Because if you keep reading, if we look at, just side note here, in Romans, in the early on part of Romans, Romans chapters one through four and a little bit of five, Paul is describing all of humanity's sin problem apart from faith in Christ. Both the Gentiles who had depraved minds and the Jews who saw that their righteousness came through the works of the law so that God owed them something. That is why Paul says in Romans 3.22 that this righteousness is a gift. It's a gift. The Jews didn't like that. That the Jews who were not living according to faith, they thought God owed them something because they were doing the works of the law. Paul said, no, the righteous will live by faith. This righteousness is a gift to all who believe in Jesus. So righteousness, it's a free gift from God. It's not something you could possibly earn. So, and then we see in Romans chapter five and chapter six, we see what has happened to believers. Okay, we've been taken out of Adam. We've been placed into Jesus. By no fault of our own, we were born in Adam because we were in his reproductive organs when he sinned and sin entered this realm and we were in him. Therefore, we inherited the sin of Adam. But just like the trespass, the free gift of righteousness works the same. By no work of your own, you receive the righteousness of Christ. And then Paul goes on, chapter six, your old self died. And then you were raised with Christ, the resurrection, which caused your righteousness. So he also tells the Colossians, the father has made you worthy. Colossians 1.12, I believe it's the Berean translation. And the Berean is pretty darn authentic. And we see that we don't have to say, I'm not worthy. Why? Because the father has made you worthy. Go look it up, Colossians 1.12. You are worthy now. So you never have to say, I'm not worthy. You are worthy. Deal with it. This worthiness, this righteousness is another name, is another word for worthiness or worthy, was a free gift that you received. So when you say, I'm not worthy, you're basically saying the resurrection didn't work. It's the same way when people don't understand they're completely forgiven. I got to ask God to forgive me every single day for every single sin. They're basically saying the cross didn't work. The cross was just okay. I got to do my part. It's the same thing. Only we're applying it to righteousness. So we have to repent from this dirty worm theology of saying, I'm not worthy. You are worthy. Unbelievers are unworthy. You're worthy. Colossians 1.12. You're righteous. Okay. All right. So 
let's talk about, let's just look at Colossians 3.3, which proves this even more. Colossians 3.3 says, you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Why would it say you have died past tense? You're not dying. You're not dying daily. When Paul said, I die daily in 1 Corinthians 15, he was talking about the physical dangers he, he encountered as he traveled to preach the gospel. This is the same author who wrote 1 Corinthians, who wrote Colossians. He even said, I fought wild dogs on the road to Ephesus. I die daily. He's not talking about himself as a person. He said he has died. So if Paul is saying, you need to die daily, then we shouldn't believe Paul because he has a lot of double talk because he told the Colossians in Colossians 3.3, you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Your old, unworthy, unrighteous, unregenerate spirit that you were born with has died, dead. You have been crucified, okay? Now, then you were hidden with Christ. He reiterates this in 1 Corinthians 6, and he says, you have become one spirit with the Lord. You're one spirit. This could not happen without the cross and the resurrection happening because the cross dealt with the sin, the resurrection dealt with your unrighteousness. So you're forgiven and you're righteous. Sorry about my nasty, snotty, spitty face. It's cold here and I'm trying to keep it off. But anyway, so you died you were hidden with Christ in God. You could not become one spirit with him unless you became righteous. And some people will say, we're only positionally righteous. That's not in the Bible. That is saying that the cross only positionally made you righteous. It's belittling the cross. Why do they say that? Because they can't understand why we sin. They just can't compute it. So they want to chop up our righteousness, but we don't see that anywhere in the Bible. God is not looking at us with righteousness, rose-colored glasses on. This is not as if. This is literal. You are righteous. Yeah, but I sin. But you're still righteous. Yeah, but it's a lifelong sin. But you're still righteous. Still. Even, even if you sinned every second of every day for the rest of your life for a hundred years, you're righteous. Ooh, this sounds like heresy. Does it? Does it sound like I'm saying the cross was a huge success? The resurrection was a huge success? Or does it say your lifelong sins are greater than the resurrection and the cross? You blew it. Which sounds like the gospel? Which one is making a big deal of the cross and resurrection? The big deal of the cross, the big deal of the resurrection. Not the big deal of your sins. Even if we look at the Jews, they didn't struggle with this. They went to the temple and received forgiveness once a year and walked away feeling good. But we say we got to confess each and individual sin in order to be forgiven. What about the sins you forget about? First John 1 John 1.9 is addressed to unbelievers. That's why 1 John 1 John 1.8 says, if we say we have no sin... Christians never said that. We said, yeah, we sin. We need Jesus. And when we believed, we died, crucified, buried, resurrected, new creation. So some people even want to say, you're only righteous in Christ. You better do what you can do to stay in Christ. See what they do? Still chopping up your righteousness. 
still focused on your actions and attitudes, not focused on this gift of righteousness. Gift! It's a gift! You didn't do anything. You're not continuing to do anything. You got this by grace through faith. It was a free gift because you believed in Jesus. We are never not in Christ. <laughs> when are you not in Christ? When you sin? Okay, so your sin made Jesus go back in time, undo the resurrection, undo the cross. You're saying that your sins are greater than that? Who do you think you are? Honestly, who do you think you are? Oh, you won't do that, but other people will. Sounds pretty cocky. You don't like this, do you? Why? Because grace is insulting to you. Not you, not you people. I'm just kind of on a little. <laughs> I'm actually pretty good, you guys, because I used to attack a lot. So now I don't attack. I just blow up the cross and resurrection and make them deal with it. I don't have to talk about what I do. Or don't do. I don't even have to talk about what you do or don't do. I can just say what you do or don't do is dung. It's crap. It means nothing. Before and after the cross. You are not greater than the cross. You are not greater than the resurrection. I don't care if you are the pastor of a multi-campus church. I don't care if you have 50,000 people as members. I don't care if you stand on the fact that you got this little bitty country church and because I got this little bitty country church, I'm teaching the truth. None of that matters. What matters is, are you making a big deal of the cross and resurrection? If you are, you're teaching the truth. You're teaching the gospel. You understand just how powerful Jesus is. When you are dogmatic about Forgiveness. You can't mess up your forgiveness. You can't mess up your righteousness. Go. Deal with that. Teach that. As opposed to, you better straighten up. You better get out of that. Sit See what we do? Put it back on us. You better start living right. See it? They don't focus on how Jesus lived right. They don't focus how you now live right because you're always righteous, because you're always in Jesus. You're always in Christ. You're never not in Christ. Always in Christ. You're always in Christ. You're never not in Christ. Deal with that. You have died and you have been literally, supernaturally placed into the spirit of Jesus Christ. You cannot undo this. Your sins are not greater than the blood or the resurrection. You're righteous. You're not a nobody. You're a somebody. You're a co-heir with Christ. God is your father. Jesus lives in you. You have everything you could possibly need right now inside of you. You lack nothing. You don't need to go somewhere. You don't need a word from somebody. You have the word. These are the things. Sorry about getting all worked up, guys. But sometimes I just get passionate about this stuff. I know what it's like to sit in the audience and just be lied to, beat down. And just because this person is up on stage and just because they have a degree on their wall, they think they have authority over these people. And they think that what they say is the truth and it's not. What's the truth? 
when you make a big deal of the cross, when you make a big deal of the resurrection, this is the ministry of reconciliation. This is the only ministry we are qualified to preach. If I ever get on here and I ever say anything to you, which would cause you to think the cross was not that big of a deal, the resurrection did not work, unfollow me. I've lost my cotton pick in mind. But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to get on here, rain, shine, cold, windy. If I have a thought that the Holy Spirit wants me to talk to you about, I'm going to get on here and I'm going to say it. And I'm going to do the best I can to help you build up your confidence in who Jesus is. Not in you. Your confidence is not in you. Did I say something wrong was wrong with you? No, I didn't say that. I said your confidence is in Christ. Do you see that? That's where our confidence is. Okay. So, are we ever not in Christ? No, we're always in Christ. So, we're always righteous. <laughs> so, the righteous who live by faith are always in Christ. Oh, boy. Oh, man. Let's see, what else? I had some other thoughts about this. See if I can scan my mental Rolodex here real quick and see if I can find them. Oh, I know there was a couple other things that I can't think of. Anyway, your righteousness is important. When you understand that you're righteous, you're going to be confident even when you make mistakes. Because this is not a righteousness that we have done anything to earn. It was a free gift because we believed in Jesus. When you understand your righteousness, you don't confuse who you are with what you do. That's what unbelievers do. That's what people do who don't understand the cross and resurrection. Your righteousness is expressed organically as you simply live. So, when you don't confuse who you are with what you do, you enjoy rest. You enjoy what Jesus has done. What has Jesus done? He has done three things. And I love this. He has done something to you, for you, and through you. Well, for you, to you, through you. What has he done for you? The cross. Forgave you. Okay? That's what he's done for you. To you. A lot of people, they understand what Jesus has done for them, but they don't understand what Jesus has done to them. What has he done? The resurrection. Righteousness. Free righteousness. We are a new creation. Our old self died. We have God's divine nature. He became sin so that we could become righteous. You want what God wants, so you should always wake up every day and do what you want because you're going to figure out what you want. And you're going to find out, I want righteousness. I want peace with this person. I want to love this person who is <coughs> causing me pain. I want joy. I want patience. I want kindness. I don't want to hold any sins against others. I want to forgive others as God has forgiven me in Christ. That's what you want. That's your righteousness. So when you wake up every day and you learn that, when you don't express that, you're like, hmm, all right. But we don't confuse that with who we are. We say, I should probably trust God a little bit more in this situation because 
I am finding myself resenting the heck out of that person. Help me, God, please. But do you see that? You, you didn't beg for forgiveness. <clears throat> you didn't think that that bad thought was something that caused you to lose your righteousness. That is what, that's what happened to you. For you, the cross, resurrection to you. This is why Peter says, you are a partaker in the divine nature. You don't have a sinful nature. You have God's divine nature. Did you know the word sinful nature are not even in the Bible? They're not there. You don't have to have a sinful nature to sin. Adam and Eve didn't have a sinful nature. They sinned. They were perfect. We sin when we don't walk according to our righteousness. Now, let me back up on that just for a moment because somebody's probably thinking, well, my Bible says sinful nature. If your Bible says sinful nature, it is because you have an NIV translation which has not been updated. The NIV translation changed the words, the flesh to sinful nature. The problem with this is the words, the flesh does not mean sinful, does not mean nature, does not mean your body. The flesh, the Greek word is sarx, S-A-R-X. It is a separate entity. It is not your body. It is not your flesh. It is not your nature. So when you see the words sinful nature in the Bible, you can just put a straight line through it and write the flesh because they've changed it back. A lot of scholars reached out to them and said, hey, Zondervan, you need to change this back because the flesh does not mean sinful nature. You got all these Christians thinking that they have a sinful nature and they don't. <coughs> so they changed it back. So what is the flesh? It's, I cannot explain it in human words. It's hard to explain. Here's what you need to understand about the flesh. The flesh, Sarks, is not you. It's not your body. It's not you. It is a separate entity altogether. And it is something <coughs> that you have already crucified. Galatians 5, 24, I believe it is, says, you have crucified the flesh. That's not your flesh. That is the flesh. The flesh has been crucified. Why? Because you were still in the flesh before you believed in Jesus and in your flesh, but there was nothing wrong with your flesh. When you were in the flesh with its passions and its desires, it had power over you. You've been taken out of the realm of the flesh, placed into the realm of the spirit, Romans chapter eight. You've been taken out of Adam, placed into the spirit of Jesus. So there's nothing wrong with your flesh. You don't have a sinful nature. You have God's divine nature. So when you go back and you read the passages in Romans, Galatians, uh, I think Peter says the flesh a couple times. Go look at it. If you see that T-H-E in front of flesh, it's not talking about your body. Don't confuse your body with the flesh. You have flesh, but you are not the flesh. It's different. Paul said you care for your flesh. Ephesians chapter 5. You love your flesh as Christ loves the church. He said, first, uh, first Thessalonians 5, he said, your spirit, soul, and body are blameless. There's nothing wrong with you. Why? The resurrection! The cross and the resurrection. The cross forgave you. That's what was done for you. The resurrection gave you righteousness. Okay, for you, to you, and then through you. 
So what do I mean by through you? <clears throat> you know, people say, I got to produce a bunch of fruit, fruits, and it's not fruits. It is fruit. It is fruit of the spirit. It's not our fruit. We aren't fruit producers. <coughs> when Jesus said a tree is known by its fruit, he was talking about the Pharisees. He was talking about unbelievers. He was talking about those who look to the law for righteousness. I'm going to repeat that. When Jesus said a tree is known by its fruit, he was not talking about a believer. He was talking about those who look to the law for righteousness. Go read it. We are never described as a tree. Why? Because trees are self-sufficient. We are not self-sufficient. Everything we do, we rely on the spirit. This is why Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. A, a branch doesn't do anything. I'm going to work up all this to grow fruit. No. What does a branch do? A branch abides. A branch lives. A branch rests. As that branch rests, the vine produces fruit through the branch. What does the branch do? Here's this fruit. Bears the fruit. We are fruit bearers. We are not fruit producers. This is the restful life in Christ. What does that fruit look like? Through us through our actions and attitudes, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. What's that say? The Holy Spirit produces self-control. Hot topic there. Not for today, but it's self-control. The Holy Spirit reminds you of your righteousness. That is what he does through you, for you, to you, through you, for you, the cross, to you, the resurrection, your righteousness, through you. What else does it look like? Look at 1 Corinthians 13. <coughs> A lot of people look at 1 Corinthians 13 and they use that love is patience, love is kind passage in weddings. And I get that. That's fine. But this is actually God's love for you. Go read it. Go read 1 Corinthians 13. I think it's 4 through 8. Um, but you know what I'm talking about. Love keeps, no, love keeps no records of your wrongs. It's not easily angered. This is God's love for you. And because his love has been poured out into you, you can express that love. You can express those same characteristics. Why? Because your old self died. You got a new righteous self. You got a new worthy self. You're hidden with Christ and God. You're one spirit with the Lord. You got this free gift of righteousness by grace through faith. Tell the truth about your righteousness. Tell the truth about who you are. Simple. All right. I think that's enough. I think that was a pretty good walk talk for today. I still got to get my run in and I'm running behind. Uh, so I hope this has encouraged you today. Sorry about my boogers. It's disgusting, but what are you going to do? It's five degrees here or whatever. <laughs> you know, when we understand our righteousness, that's very encouraging. That's what our church needs. That's what the church needs. We need to be encouraged in our righteousness. We need to be reminded who we are. We need to be reminded anytime we have any type of 
um, action or attitude that's not righteous. We just need to be reminded that's not for you. It's never going to set right with you permanently. Repent. Change this. Trust Jesus. Give it time. So that is what our church needs. That is what the body of Christ needs. We need to be encouraged. We need to be focused on the ministry that all of us are competent to teach. 2 Corinthians 3, 6 says, we are competent to minister this new covenant. <coughs> what is this that I'm preaching to you? It's the ministry of the spirit. The ministry of the spirit, not of the letter, not of the law. 2 Corinthians 3, 6 says, we are not even competent to teach the law. Why? Because the law is not of faith. The law is the power of sin. The law is not for the righteous. Paul told Timothy, and we are righteous. So we don't need the law because we have the spirit. So when we are encouraged with our righteousness, we are encouraged with the ministry of the spirit, our lives improve. Things get better. Even when things are crumbling and crashing all around us, we still know that we're righteous because we still know that the resurrection was a huge success. So, all right, guys, always tell the truth about yourself. What's the truth? You're righteous. Yeah. You're holy. You're holy. How could you not be righteous if you weren't holy? You're blameless. What caused these things? What caused your righteousness, holiness, blamelessness? Think about it. You're a new creation. You're not your old self. You have immature coping mechanisms. There's still the power of sin around us. There's still the flesh. But we are not those things. And when we walk according to the spirit, we don't gratify the desires of the flesh. Not your flesh, but the flesh. It's desires. The flesh isn't it. Let's see, you're righteous, you're holy, you're blameless, you're a new creation. You're a child of God. There's nothing wrong with you. Nothing's wrong with you at all. In fact, everything is right with you. Okay? So always tell the truth about yourself. Always be yourself. And um, we'll see you on the next Walk Talk. Love y'all. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me on this Walk Talk. Please be sure to rate and review this podcast and share it with others. Subscribe right now so you don't miss out on any new content. To be encouraged daily, you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. If you want even more information on my ministry or to check out my books, go to www.mattmcmillan.com.